Amen. Thank you, platform workers. Thank you for your liberality. Much appreciated. We're having a great time this week, Friday night, Saturday night. I'm telling you, I left here encouraged, fired up. I mean, just it's been that good. God's speaking. God's helping us. So this morning, if you got kids in there, I know we got our children's church going on over there. But if you have children, uh, amen, keep them seated if you can. Keep your ears open, your heart open this morning. God's going to speak to us. Can you say, man, our brother's got a powerful church uh, in California. Uh, he's been there, what, 11 years, you say? 11, 11 years, pioneered that. Him and his family is there now. They've taken their time out to come minister to us. And uh, so uh, it's been good. So let's welcome him this morning as he comes. Amen. Bless you. All right. Praise God. The Lord be with you. Oh man, I'm talking. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to talk to some of my former Catholic brothers. Amen. <laughs> That's how we used to roll. Amen. <laughs> Good morning. Amen. I'm so privileged to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Mitchell, for the invitation. Uh, you know, I'm so blessed. As I told the church on uh, Saturday night uh, or Friday night, rather, that uh, everything that God is doing there in Bellflower, uh, we're about um, just the two cities over from Compton. How many have heard of Compton? Amen. Three or four people, hallelujah. Uh, but uh, we're, we're not far from there, uh, just outside of L, uh, downtown Los Angeles. And uh, what God is doing there, I'm telling you, is a direct result of uh, your pastor's labors, his family in Fullerton years ago, the church that we got saved in. We're just an extension of that church. Can you say amen? Yeah, we're just an extension of that, his labor, sacrifice. He was telling me he went there at the age of 25, amen. That's, that's pretty young, amen. I, I was uh, 25, I didn't even know up from down, amen. And so, uh, you know, and, uh, we got sent out about 31, I think, uh, when we were, uh, we got sent out. And so uh, what God is doing there again is just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. And uh, the ripple is still making impact, praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to preach a message this morning, I believe it will help us. Preach this in a number of places. I'm, it's, uh, you know, uh, believe it's helped some folks. It definitely helped our church. And so I want to uh, pray and have the mind of God this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 40. You know, <clears throat> Christianity will always challenge you to go the extra mile. Someone once said, Christianity is a refusal to do the minimum that is expected. Now I want you to think about this statement for just a moment in light of our text. Because Christianity is the original call of duty. Amen? Some of you I'm scared now the thing I'm going to talk about, Call of Duty. But Christianity is the original Call of Duty, the idea that we are called to go above and beyond what is expected of us. In our text, Jesus makes the call to go the second mile. And so I want to preach this morning on being a second mile Christian, Matthew chapter 5, verse 40 uh, to 42, if you're there, amen, you can say amen this morning. Uh, I'm going to preach on being a second mile Christian. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go with him one mile, go with him two. 
and give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning, God, that the Holy Ghost be at work, moving, God, in this place, touching hearts and lives. God, stirring our hearts, God, to rise up, Lord, and God, go above and beyond what you have called us to do. God, let us be a people of faith. Let us leave here. God, with the victory, Lord, as all that is accomplished, God, let it be for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So let's talk, first of all, about the history of the second mile, or the first mile, rather. You know, the phrase, go the second mile, has found its way into our modern language. Uh, we hear this in the business world. Go the second mile. Do more than what is expected. But... The roots of this phrase go all the way back to the first century and perhaps even before that. You know, the Romans had conquered much of the Mediterranean world and one of their greatest achievements was a vast system of superhighways that they had built for travel. You might have heard the saying, all roads lead to Rome. And the idea that as they would conquer lands, uh, they would create this infrastructure so that all roads from the conquered kingdoms would go back into Rome. And there were thousands of miles of these Roman roads uh, throughout the empire. And at each mile was a stone marker. These mile markers pointed directions, determined the distance to the next town as well as to Rome itself. Uh, every year we caravan to conference from where we're at to the Chandler Church is about six hours and so a lot of times uh, we have people that will caravan together and you know there's always that you know the speed racer the one who wants to go 90 miles an hour in a 70 and then there's the one who wants you know the lawful Lucy the one who's gonna go 70 and not a mile over the speed limit so you get some distance between the caravan sometimes, so you'll have people call each other, say, where are you? And they will say, I'm at mile marker 20. Oh, okay, you're just a couple of miles behind us. This was a feat of Roman ingenuity, and so I want you to think about this in light of our text, because by law, a Roman citizen or soldier could compel anyone from the conquered lands to carry his backpack or goods for him for one mile. Now think about this. Because if you were a Roman citizen or soldier, you could literally take your baggage, your luggage, and hand it off to a citizen of one of the conquered lands, and they had to carry your goods for one mile. Now, I want you to consider this, because Jesus now introduces this, and he says, if anyone compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, this is interesting, because as we consider this, who would want to go the second mile? One man said, there are no traffic jams on the second mile. Because how many know the crowds thin out during the second mile? And this is where Christians have to get this in their spirit. That Christianity is a call to do more 
than what the minimum is. Now, you know, Christians can develop a twisted view of the first mile. Remember, the first mile is the law. And how many know Christians sometimes fall into the traps of saying, well, I have to go to church, right? And we view the things that we do as believers as lawful requirements. Well, I have to do this. I have to do that. Rather than seeing it as a privilege, we view it as a burden. We say things to ourselves like, I have to do this or else pastor is going to say something. Pastor Dion's going to send me a text. He's going to ask me where I'm at, where I've been. And so now we feel this sense of obligation. And if we're not careful, it can become a burden. Now I want you to think about this because this would have been very, uh, this would have been a huge inconvenience for the people of that day. Now consider with me our attitude during the second mile. See, nothing brings out an employee's bad attitude like when you're asked to do more than what is expected. We got any union workers in the house? <laughs> I'm not going to try to step on toes, but, you know, union workers are known for claiming, hey, look, that's not my job. The contract says I, must, I can only do X, Y, and Z. You know, there's a company called UPS. How many here are familiar with UPS? You know that UPS, their supervisors, are not considered union. So if a supervisor is walking through the factory or the warehouse and they pick up a box that has fallen on the ground and they willfully go pick it up and put it on a conveyor belt, the other employees who are union will jump on them and attack them and accuse them of trying to take a union job. So think about this, that the law now limits what they can do. And so therefore they do the bare minimum. Now this is a lot of Christians today. Now I'm not trying to, you know, stir the pot or anything, but I want you to get an understanding because this sermon is something that I preach in our church because I begin to see this bleed out just a little bit in our congregation. And so the prevailing attitude of the Jews towards the second mile was one of hate, or the first mile, rather, was one of hatred. You know, every year laws are passed, and how many know we don't agree with laws? There's a lot of laws that are passed that we don't like. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, you don't like tax law. Amen. You know, in California, they pass all kinds of crazy laws. And there's certain laws that get us riled up. This would have been one of those laws. When Jesus said, whoever compels you to go one mile with him, go with him too. They already didn't like the first mile. They already despised the first mile. They hated it. It was viewed as an inconvenience. Wait a minute. If I'm busy and a Roman soldier comes and drops his goods or baggage on me, I have to stop what I'm doing and attend to his needs and then get back to living my life. So instead of teaching the people to resist the first smile, Jesus threw a curveball and Jesus said, give them an extra mile as a bonus. 
Wow. I'm trying not to meddle this morning, church, but I can't help it. Because now I'm looking at this, and I, when I view the church world sometimes, how many know that sometimes people just want to do the minimum? They don't want to exert themselves any more than what they have to. How many know what I'm talking about? They do the bare minimum. And so now Jesus tells him, go the extra mile. The Jews already hated the Romans. They resented the fact that the soldier could come and impose on them this without notice, randomly hand over their backs and make them carry them. This would have been a huge inconvenience. Uh, uh, you know, like when somebody calls you and says, hey, are you busy right now? You ever get that phone call? You busy right now? Wait, wait, like right now, right now? You're kind of scared to say no because you don't know what demands are going to be asked of you. And so now, because they hated the first smile and Jesus knew it, he did something totally unexpected and he tells them, do more. Now, if there was ever a time where Christians... Ought to do more, it's today. Can you say amen, church? If there's ever a time when Christians uh, 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 ought to do more than what we're doing, it is today. It's Pastor Paul Stevens who regularly says uh, that we must do as much as we can, as quickly as we can. And he says this oftentimes in the context of evangelism. But I want you to think about this. Can you imagine what the reaction of the Jews must have been upon hearing these words? Place yourself there for a moment. You're living under Roman occupation. You're already enduring harsh treatment. You're paying excessive taxes. Uh, life is miserable. You're living with the hope uh, that the Messiah is going to arrive and he's going to free you from this oppression and this burden. You're waiting for the Messiah to come. And now the one that you think is the Messiah comes and he's not helping your cause. You think he's going to free you from having to obey the Roman laws, and yet he says, whoever compels you with him to go one mile, you go with him too. This would have been a concept that would have caught his followers completely off guard. And so Jesus says, not just the Roman soldiers, but whoever. I want to ask you, can anybody come to you and ask you for an act of service? Because I'm going to know we don't like to be inconvenienced. One man said, time is my greatest asset. And oftentimes we live life this way. We, 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 we're, we're so focused on what we're doing that when we are approached or asked to do more, we can develop a bad attitude. We already, I'm already doing this and you're asking me to do more? Don't you know what I have going on? Don't you know how busy I am? Don't you know that I already have a full plate on me? I'm carrying, I have so many responsibilities. And now you're asking me to go above that, to go beyond that, to contend even more. And again, Jesus did not hold back. 
when he said this to his disciples. And not just his disciples, but to all. I want to talk like family for a moment. Can we do that this morning? You know, going to church is one thing. How many know what I'm talking about? But, you know, there's so much more to just going to, to Christianity than going to church. How many know there's things like outreach? There are things like prayer meetings and revival services. And, you know, how many know there's your pastor, uh, Pastor Dion talked this morning in Sunday school about giving. How many know there's giving, but then there's tithing? How many know there's giving, but then there's, there's tithing and then there's offerings on top of that? And see, oftentimes we get into this mode where we don't want to be stretched. We don't want to go above and beyond because we want to cruise on cruise control. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, what's our attitude when we're being challenged or stretched to do more? I remember Pastor Dion, when he came and did his, uh, the evangelism revival for us, one of the things that he, I remember him stressing over and over is he talked about the issue of personal time and what you do with your personal time. How many know what we do with our personal time is very, very important? Amen. It's a revealer of who we are, the things that we give ourselves to when nobody's watching. And this is one of the things that Jesus highlights in this text for us. He says, if you are compelled to go one mile, whoever compels you to go with him one, go with him two. Now, I, I, I keep repeating this. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm doing this for a reason, because I want you to have an understanding that Christianity is a call to go above and beyond the minimum expectations. So let's talk about going the second mile. Because Jesus, he understands that the first mile is the law. But the second mile is all about the heart. And so the success of the church in accomplishing its mission is dependent on God's people going the second mile. The second mile hits closer to home than we realize. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, this is a reasonable service. Did you know that it's totally reasonable to go all out for Jesus? Did you know that it's totally reasonable to go the second and the third and the fourth mile to be completely sold out? That is completely reasonable. The second mile deals with our personal time. It deals with our finances and our priorities. It is absolutely reasonable to go the second mile. Uh, too many times we get saved uh, and immediately we have people questioning uh, what we're doing. You're going to church again? Wait a minute. You're giving how much to the church? Wait a minute. And all of these questions begin to arise. Uh, and uh, uh, they begin to question us living life as second mile Christians. The first mile is the minimum. The second mile is going above that. And the second mile is all heart. So now, let me paint a picture for you before I close. 
Now you are living your life in first century Israel. You're going about your business. Remember in those days, uh, you, you couldn't just have water delivered to your house like we do today. We didn't have Amazon Prime. So there's a lot of other things that people did. They couldn't go to Whole Foods or whatever supermarket, Lion King, or what's it called? Lion King? <laughs> Food Lion, sorry. <laughs> you got, uh, sorry, we don't have that in the, East Coast, in, the, in the West Coast. But we don't have the conveniences that we have today. That's the point that I'm making. Are you with me? In those days, I mean, you know, you, they had to go out and get these water jugs. How many have ever carried a five-gallon water jug? How many know that's heavy? In those days, they had clay pots. That'd be heavier. So there was a lot of conveniences that, they, that we have today that they didn't have. So you're going about your daily business. And all of a sudden, a Roman citizen comes to you and says, you, come here. Carry this for me. What? Now, follow me. We're going somewhere. I'm doing a little bit of a reenactment. You got your own stuff. You got to lay that aside, grab their stuff, and now you go. And now, think about the attitude here. Man, I hate this law. This is a stupid law. It's like, you know, the law, you know, making weed illegal and all that. It's like, man, that's stupid, huh? And so it's like one of those laws, you know? Yeah, oh man, I hate this law. This is so strange. You're over there carrying this person's bags. But now you sat under Jesus' ministry and you heard this sermon. So now you get to the end of that first smile. And that person knows their law because they're a Roman citizen. They know their law. Remember, the Romans, they knew the law very well. So they know their law. So what do they do? They, they get ready to take those bags back from you. But see, if you sat under Jesus' ministry and you heard this sermon, oh, you know, how no, that thing's playing in your mind. And you're like, oh, you know what, sir? I'm going to carry this for an extra mile. Think about what that would do to the Roman. No, no, no. The law says, the law says one mile. No, 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 sir, you don't understand. I serve a different king. And my king says, I'm going to go the second mile. See, we answer to a higher law. Are you with me, church? Now, think about the impact of testimony that that would have. Wait, wait, who do you serve? Wait, I serve the emperor of Rome. You serve who? Oh, my king is King Jesus. Hello, and he says, I am to bless you by carrying your bags for an additional mile. See, this involves testimony. When we go the second mile, the impact that is made, there's testimony involved. Think about Peter's attitude when he was asked to let down the nets for a catch in Luke chapter 5. Verse 3, Luke 5, verse 3, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. 
Think about this for a moment. Peter, he's like, look, I've already done the minimum. I've already done the work. Jesus says, do it again. Do it again. And what results in verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats, uh, so that they began to sink. Notice, Peter wasn't like, he just said, Lord, we already tried that. Nevertheless, though, Lord, at your word, we'll do it again. Can you say to the Lord, at your word, I'll do more. At your word, I will do more. Lord, if you want me to go the second mile, I will go the second mile. And this involves testimony because other people are blessed when we go the second mile. It lets others know that we answer to a higher law. And we have another king, the Roman. He would be absolutely shocked to discover that uh, someone who they viewed to be subservient uh, to them uh, would willfully and with a good attitude uh, carry their bags for a second mile. Think about the impact that our lives could make if we lived like this day in and day out. If we continually went above and beyond what our pastors asked us to do. Think about the impact that this makes on a marriage when we go above and beyond. Think about the impact that this does on brotherhood and sisterhood when we do more than what is required. This, is, this involves testimony. Consider with me that the second mile is often completed in obscurity. It's art without an audience. Not, and the people aren't there to watch you during the second mile. You know, the things you do in obscurity, sometimes vacuuming the church all by your lonesome. Things that you do behind the scenes, nobody's watching. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spoke about this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he begins to say, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, there's a lot that we do during the second mile that is not witnessed by people. It's the, it's the labor that we do for the Lord in the name of Jesus that nobody sees. We're just working, we're just doing it out of a love for God, out of a love for his people, out of a love for others. But nobody's there, we're not being egged on. How many know it's easy to run a marathon when you got five billion people watching, Amen. It's easy to keep going there, but when nobody's watching, and this is the second mile, and we have to have this in mind as we live for God and strive to be second mile Christians. You know, 
the Bible uh, and the Lord himself, they, it never introduces a third mile. It doesn't introduce, and I believe that, see, God is not trying to break our backs. How many know that God, on the Sabbath, he rested? Hello. God understands this, that, that there's only so much that we can do, but he knows that we can do more. And he just wants us to do it with a good attitude because he knows it's a direct reflection of our obedience to him and our love for him and that we answer to a higher law. Do you know that it's ultimately God who's going to reward our efforts? You know, I mean, no, sometimes we do things and we're expecting man to reward us. Jesus said that our father who sees in secret, he himself will reward us openly. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Here's Paul. Paul lived a second mild Christianity. How many can say amen? He lived a second mile Christianity. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. To a, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. You know, the Lord will give us a crown of righteousness. Amen. But see, it's our attitude during the second mile. As we understand that, look, I answer to God. I answer to my Lord and Savior, and Him I will obey. And it is absolutely reasonable to live a sold-out life for Jesus. You know, I'm here today, I was thinking about your pastor, and I know he mentioned this, and I don't want to be repetitive, but he, he was mentioning how he'd street preach, and people be throwing avocados, man, at him, you know? I'll tell you something, man. I'd welcome throwing avocados at me. They're expensive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody brings avocados to the potluck, you know they got it going on, amen? You know they're blessed. <laughs> You know, and uh, <laughs> Shelly was young, I'm sure, very, very small. And he's out there street preaching. Nobody's there to see that. Nobody's there. There's no, there's no, there's a heavenly audience. Hello. Nobody's there watching him street preach, throwing, getting avocados thrown at him. Because there's so much that we do. Nobody's there to see it, but God sees it. Can you say amen? God, and again, this involves testimony. Imagine the impact that could be made if every one of us took this to heart. We weren't thrown off like they were like, huh, what are you talking about, Willis? Second mile? No, no, no. To be a blessing, to go out of our way and live this way, the impact that could be made, not just in Newport News, this whole peninsula, but man, you guys will be planting churches on the West Coast. <laughs> if we all live this way, and I try to get my church to, I, you know what, I'm going to go back and preach this again in my church. Because I'm going to know 50% of preaching is just reminding people. Let's be second mile Christians this morning, church. I want you to bow your head with me. The reward will ultimately come from God. 
It's a short message this morning, but I wanted to 